What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to a special episode of Crazy Madness. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what's happening? Not much, John. How are you today? I'm doing really good. Uh, we've had an absolutely crazy week of games. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all loaded with March Madness. There has been some highs. There have been some lows, including Texas and Illinois losing, which we'll get into. Uh, but for the most part, it's been great. And I'm really excited to talk about all the fun stuff we got to watch this weekend. But right before we get into that, we're going to talk about our socials real quickly. Ethan, let's go over our Instagram, our Twitter, our YouTube, and every other social that we have going on. Yep, our Instagram at underscore creating madness. We have our college basketball group chat, and we have our polls. We haven't done any. We're not going to do any. We will count up the final results from the last week of the regular season, probably at the end of next episode, just because we have March Madness to talk about. We have our... YouTube at Creating Mass, where we used to stream. We're done with our weekly streams. We might hop on a couple random ones, but depends what's going on in our personal lives. And we'll have some interviews going up on our YouTube this summer and spring. Our Twitter at ATR Madness, we have arrived at 310 followers. It's great. Thank you all so much. And let's get right into Thursday games. John, do you want to take those? Um... Sure. I mean, do you want to come? Actually, you take you take those because you can talk about Illinois. How about that? I mean, Illinois played on Friday, but I'm fine with either. I'll, 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 I'll take their. I'll start with. Okay, my bad. Uh, this is tough. I feel like we got to start off with a bang, and I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Peacocks of St. Peter's in overtime, outlasting the Wildcats of Kentucky, 85 to 79, and obviously Daryl Banks. Star of that Peacocks team that night lit it up, and also Doug Eater off the bench killed it. Obviously, for Kentucky, the problem is going to be your shooting because Oscar Sheboy played phenomenal. Problem is, when you have Kellen Grady shooting one of nine, you have Ty Ty Washington shooting two of ten, you're not going to go very far. And that's exactly why St. Peter's was able to get this magnificent upset, which one may even say is almost as remarkable as that UMBC over Virginia a few years ago. Next up, we have so much to talk about. I hate that I limited it to three games, but we're going to go dive into San Diego State Creighton. Creighton played an all-around phenomenal game. Same with the Aztecs. Obviously, Matt Bradley... Didn't have the best shooting performance of his career. But the Aztecs overall played a very good defensive game. They shot the ball relatively well besides from three and from the charity stripe. If they if they shoot their free throws better, they win. It's simple as that. If they don't turn the ball over 15 times, yes, Creighton did 20. But overall, very sloppy game was played here. San Diego State looked like they had it, but Creighton went on a little run to end the first, the second half. And overall, the Blue Jays escaped with the 72-69 win. Next up for our final game, the game that I was actually looking forward to most for that Thursday was this mid-major battle behind Murray State and San Francisco. In overtime, Murray State outlasted the Dons 92-87 with Key players being Tevin Brown, K.J. Williams, and I believe that's Justice Hill or Justin Hill. 
And, of course, T- Trey Hannibal. And, you know what, we got to throw another one in there, Jordan Skipper-Brown. All these players, all the players that reached double digits for Murray State that game were huge additions. You shot nearly 50% from the field. Same with San Francisco. San Francisco, Jamari Buya has been a phenomenal player from them for his entire career. And it really shows. He had 36 points and nearly willed San Francisco into the second round. And just a piece of news, San Francisco's coach is the new head coach of Florida. So That's off to him. It's pretty big. Yep. And, yeah, well, let's move into day two of the first round, John. All right, sounds good. So, real quickly, Ethan and I's favorite teams played on Friday. Texas got an eight-point victory over Virginia Tech. It was a hard-fought battle, really high scoring as well. Andrew Jones at 21 points, played out of his mind. Marcus Card, 15 points and nine rebounds, played one of his best games this season. Put an end to Virginia Tech's little miracle round they had in the ACC tournament. Uh, but that was really good. I'm Texas's part, really fun for me to watch. As for Illinois, Eden's one of Eden's favorite mid-majors all year ends up facing Illinois in the first round and gives them hell. Illinois wins by a point, one of the best games of the first round. Kobe Coburn, 17-13, dominant all game. Wilson to the victory. Uh, but he's matched up with some other players in Chattanooga that do a really good job. But at the end of the day, too little. Illinois wins barely. But I want to talk about three games. I want to talk about UAB versus Houston. I want to talk about Notre Dame, Alabama. And I want to talk about Iowa LSU. Or sorry, Iowa State LSU. So you might be thinking, why are we talking about Houston UAB? Houston won my 14. It's pretty convincing. I don't really understand. Houston was a lot of people's, you know, this team's way too highly seeded. I don't think they're that good. I think they're going to lose this 12 seed. And I was on that boat for a little bit until I looked into the stats, and I saw that this Houston team is just a bunch of dogs. You got guys like Jamal Shedd, Kessler Edwards, all of these contributors that ended up playing out of their minds and uh, leading this team not only to a win – in Friday, but a big win on Sunday, which we'll talk about just here in a little bit. Uh, and it starts with Kessler Edwards. In this game, he had 25 points on unbelievably efficient shooting. He went 9-15 from the field, 6-8 from 3. Uh, he also had 6 rebounds and 3 assists. And so he was just overall putting in work in every facet of the court, not to mention playing some great defense. You got a hometown guy for me, Jamal Shedd, 12 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds. He's been this team's floor general all year, and he was a really big part in why this team won, distributing the ball to everyone, not to mention getting some points himself. Then you have other guys like center, Josh Carlton, playing really, really good defense down low, not to mention the fact that he put in 12 points and two key offensive rebounds to steal this game away. Uh, He's never been big on the rebounding facet of it, even though he's a center, but when he gets rebounds, he's really, really getting the important ones. Last but not least, Another key contributor, you got Fabian White. <coughs> Loka guy from Atas Cosita in Houston. He had 14 points on really efficient shooting, 5 of 11 from the field. Overall, this Houston team, you're not going to see one guy, but in this game was Kessler. It's not a lot of time, you're not going to see one guy taking over the game, even though Kessler was in this game. But a lot of time, it's a whole team effort to get W. In this case, we saw every single player putting in work whether it was from the bench, guys like Ryan Elvin getting in at the last minute, 
Or you got guys like Kessler Edwards, Jamal Shedd, Josh Carlton putting in work. And so this is a Houston team that's going to be dangerous in the second weekend. Uh, we got a bit of a sneak peek of it in the first round game against UAB. Next up, we got Notre Dame versus Alabama. Again, everyone's sleeping on Notre Dame. I didn't. I actually had them winning this game in my bracket, which was really nice. Uh, but there's one guy I want to talk about in this game. One of America's coldest snipers out there. This man had 29 points, 7 of 9 from the three-point line, unconscious, 10 of 13 from the field. You can't give you a, you can't get a better first round performance than Cormac Ryan. I think he arguably had the best first round first yeah first round performance of all of March Madness. He's not he didn't single handedly will his team to a victory, but if he didn't have the game he did, this team would not have won. He shot so efficiently, it honestly like makes me confused how he shot this efficiency. Looking at the stats, watching this game, he was just a team leader, hitting every single big shot and doing really everything in his power to believe really the scene of victory. There are some other guys who contributed as well, particularly at the guard spot. Blake Wesley being one of them, he had 18 points on decently efficient shooting. Not to mention Pat Atkinson Jr. At the forward spot, he had 13 points. But, man, Cormac Ryan, I, I don't even know what to say. He for sure had the best performance of the first round now looking at it. As for Alabama, their up-and-down season comes to an end in the most predictable way possible with Javon Quinterly playing three minutes, having zero points, Jaden Shackelford shooting four of 17, basically shooting them out of the game. Um, J.D. Davidson playing 36 minutes, only getting 11 points. He shot decently efficient, but this team took a lot of shots and didn't make a lot of them. I mean, I know that's really bad or very basic analysis, but the guard trio that was supposed to bring them to victory ended up shooting them out of the first round. So, Nate Oates, hopefully you got next year. Hopefully. Uh, but your guard trio that was supposed to be a national championship contender ended up being a pretender. Finally, in another 6-11 upset, we have the best conference college basketball representative, Iowa State, beating up on LSU. This is a really fun game to watch as a Big 12 fan because it solidifies the fact that the Big 12 is the best college basketball conference for this year uh, because Iowa State just got the job done. Again, this is a team that won two games last year. Not two games in conference, not two games out of conference. This is a team that won two games. They not only won this game, but they won their next game, which we'll talk about again in just a second. But, man, oh, man, this team really held held strong on defense. They held LSU to 4 of 19 from 3 from the field and 54 points total. They didn't shoot particularly efficient either, but they ended up having more points, which usually helps in trying to win. Isaiah Brockington didn't shoot efficiently on the surface, but he played a very big part in this team. Victory played 38 minutes out of 40. Had 19 points of 6-16 shooting. Made one three, but that three came at the end of the game in the most important part. Not completely stealing the game, but putting it basically out of reach for this LSU team. <coughs> Excuse me. Another guy who had a really, really big game for this team, Tyrese Hunter. 23 points, 8-13 of 13 shooting, and in my opinion, the most impressive stat out of this whole game. He went 7-11 from three, making more than half this team's threes and playing almost the whole game as well. From a freshman, you can't really ask for much more. Shooting clutch, playing great defense, and making shots throughout the entire game. Tyrese Hunter, hats off to you. You're one of the big reasons why your team's in Sweet 16. I'm just really proud of this Iowa State team. I mean, I'm not a fan, but I'm a fan of the conference. Again, this team was slept on by even us, supposed college basketball analysts, to do basically nothing. But the team's now in the second weekend. So I'm 
I'm really excited for this team to see what they can do. As for LSU, SEC, SEC, nothing went their way here. Xavier Pinson, two points, 32 minutes. Five turnovers, seven assists. That's a horrible assist-to-turnover ratio. You're not going to win games if your point guard is assist-to-turnover ratio less than at minimum 1.5. I mean, come on. Epton Reed, four points, 17 minutes. Ended up getting benched because of just how awful he was playing. You can't do that, man. You can't do it if you want to win games for your team. The only guy who had a decent game was Darius Days, but even then he had 14 points and 4 of 9 shooting. Got 12 rebounds, though, so I guess that's something. No one else in this team did worth anything in note. Maybe Tari Eason. He had 18 points in efficient shooting, but he didn't even get to start. He came off the bench. One, one last thing I want to mention is Shakir O'Neal. Supposed to come from UCLA. Supposed to be a big player on this team. In the final game of the season, he gets five minutes, goes 0-1 for the field, and has zero points. Hopefully next year, he can continue the O'Neal legacy at LSU in a good light, but LSU is a disappointing end of the season. SEC ball proves to lose the big, solid fundamentals of Big 12. Um, but now I'm moving to the second round. Ethan, you want to take over Saturday? Sure. I think we're only going to be doing two games just because the games got cut in half. So I'll start off with Gonzaga and Memphis. And you know what? For as much crap as we've given Memphis, You, you, you. For as much crap as I've given Memphis and Penny Hardaway, he turned this team around in the second half of the season. And although I said Sweets, beginning of the season, I said Sweet 16 or his job should be on the line, for what he nearly accomplished in this game against Gonzaga, I... Penny Hardaway is definitely back in my favors again. 82-78, Gonzaga wins. Nemhard and Timmy were the leading scorers with 23 and 25. Chet Holmgren going up against a big guy, big powerful center, Jalen Duran. Well, Chet Holmgren didn't stuff the staff sheet, but he did every single thing that doesn't show up on the stat sheet extremely well, played tough defense, and he drew fouls. And a huge part of why Memphis lost was having four of their, three of their four five starters with four fouls, and having another two players on the roster with three. Overall, this Memphis team has potential to be dangerous for the future if Penny Hardaway can get his guys to do exactly what they're supposed to do, like they did. And a huge part of that might be Amani Bates leaving. He's coming. Hey, I, he's supposed to come back. We'll see. But we'll see. He's, not, I mean, he's not draft eligible right now. True. We'll see what happens. And then another game that I think we definitely need to talk about. UNC having a 20-plus point lead over Baylor, blowing it. You can blame the refs. You can blame whatever. But refs don't make you lose a 20-point lead. But they won in overtime against Baylor, 93-86. Huge part of that's going to be our – it's going to be Davis, Manic. Manic got ejected after a flagrant two, but God, Manic is a beast. Armando Baycott's a beast. This UNC team. RJ Davis went for 32. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was watching that game. RJ Davis is a dog. He is, he is crazy, too. But yeah. Adam Flagler, James Akinjo, uh, 27 and 20. Overall, this, we, heading into this game, Baylor knew that they could be on upset watch. They nearly battled back, but if you're Baylor, I'm sorry. 
Injuries shouldn't be an excuse at that point for what you accomplished. That's just my take on it. And I'll let you go to Sunday's games, and there's no, there's one game that you're required to talk about, John, the TCU-Arizona game that we just saw finish about half an hour ago. Do you mind talking about the St. Peter's game? I feel like it's, I feel like it's only necessary. I feel like it is, too. By the way, St. Peter's owns Kentucky before you can get started. Beat Kentucky yeah. and Murray State. All right, just quickly, 70-60, to 60, they shut down K.J. Williams to 2-9 of nine shooting. He got 12 points with eight of them coming from free throw line. Overall, they just did a terrific job defending this very high-powered Murray State team. And I'll just let you just go right into Sundays. No, here's the, here's the problem with Sunday. I think, without exaggeration, every single one of these games on Sunday, all eight of them, were at minimum a good game. I mean, I can't talk about every game for the sake of time, uh, but I'm going to quickly talk about Texas, my team. Uh, we we had a we had a tough battle. I would so I'm not one to blame the refs for anything. In fact, I think this is the first time in years I've actually blamed the refs for a loss. But when the officiating's that bad, it's really hard to win a game. Uh, Purdue's a good team though. Travion Williams had a great game. Marcus Carr for our team had a great game. Uh, but it's really hard to win games when the officiating's that bad. Uh, as for Illinois, Illinois bounced out for the, <laughs> the second round of the second year in a row. Uh, gets absolutely walked by Houston. I wouldn't say this is a good game in terms of uh, entertainment for most, but for me and all the other Houston fans, this was awesome. Uh, this team put everything that they're about on full display. Defensive pressure, getting up and down the floor, tiring big men like Kobe Coburn, and just having fun with it. Every single player in this team had a smile on their face for 40 minutes, and it was just such a fun game to watch uh, for just any college basketball enthusiast or Illinois hater like me. Uh, but it's really hard to choose from these games. Obviously, you got to start out with TCU versus Arizona. This might have been my favorite game of the whole tournament so far. Maybe outside of Texas beating Virginia Tech. Get Ed Lampkin. For, I want to talk about TCU because this team was not supposed to do this. They barely didn't go to the Sweet 16. They had been playing in San Antonio. Uh, what a game by TCU. Start off with Ed Lampkin. Goes for his career high. Ball shooting 4 of 10 from the free throw line. Big Ed was going crazy with the M1s. Getting offensive rebounds all day. He had 10 of them, not to mention 20 points. Uh, the junior, big center, Ed Lampkin. I think he's 6'10", 290. Just getting it done every single place on the floor. Hats off to that guy. Uh, and despite TCU shooting... So inefficiently, it actually hurts my brain. They still had some guys who put work in. First, Chuck O'Bannon Jr., named Chuck appropriately. He took 18 shots, 13 three-pointers, uh, but he had 23 points. I mean, he he and Ed Lampkin were this team's offensive motor, but he didn't even shoot that efficiently. But compared to other people in this team, like Damian Baugh, Mike Miles Jr., he shot pretty efficiently. Damian Baugh shot 3 of 17 from the field. That's really all I have to say about his performance. I mean, he did did some things well, but yeah, no. Uh, Mike Miles Jr., 5 of 20 from the field. He had 20 points, went 9 of 9 from the free throw line, got to the line a lot. But again, you can't win if your best player is shooter combined 8 of 37 from the field. Despite Big Ed just going ballistic, it hurts when your, your best players shoot that efficiently. So, TCU... Great season, great moral victory, I guess, but yeah, it sucks. As for Arizona, I want to talk about two guys. One, Benedict Matherin, cocking it all the way back 
for that crazy dunk over Big Ed. Big Ed, you had a great game. I love you, buddy. But Benedict Matherin baptized you. He had 30, 11 of 13 from the free throw line, 8 of 19 from the field. Dubois shooting could have been more efficient. You can actually say that for the whole team. Uh, but good Lord, Benedict. He had a great game. So did Christian Kolko. He had his career high of 28 points. You've also got 12 rebounds. 12 13 from the field. Now that's a player who knows how to shoot efficiently. Him, him and Ed, you are, seem to be pretty good friends because they both know how to get it done at the center position shooting like that. Great game from those two. <laughs> also, one player just played poorly for Arizona was uh, Kirk Kriza. This guy's supposed to be a sniper. Um, he isn't. He went one of ten from the three point line, including missing three in a row in overtime. No, no, t- no, no. At the very end of regulation, I think he got three kickouts in a row and missed all of them as the supposed sniper of this team. That was carried by Christian Colocolo and Benedict Matherin. It makes life pretty easy. Uh, overtime and keep in mind that first one was blocked. Oh, it's blocked. Well, still missing two of those in a row. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, to, to be fair, that. If that wasn't blocked, then he really just like bonked it off his head or something. I yeah, I didn't see it was blocked, but again, missed two in a row, pretty important moments. But hey, a win is a win, right? Yep. All right. I I if I can only choose from two, I think the most important one was probably Miami beating Auburn. I mean, Iowa State beating Wisconsin makes a great case, but. I mean, Miami just wasn't supposed to beat Auburn. And they beat them not – they didn't just beat them. They beat them convincingly. Beat them by nearly 20. Isaiah Wong. I mean, if you thought Benedict Matherin's poster was crazy, Isaiah Wong just put it all over an Auburn defender. I mean, it was insane. He went 8 of 18 from the field for 21 points. He had an absolutely insane game. Leading this team, going 5-5 from the free throw line. As your best player, that's a stat line you want to have, and that's a stat line that's just, frankly, great. Another guy who did a great game, Cameron McGusty. To be honest with you, going into this game, I didn't even know who he was, but he had 20 points and almost led this team in scoring, going 10 of 18 from the field. He's a guard, and he only hit two-point shots, which I know he went 0-5 from the three-point line, but, hey, he shot efficiently inside the inside the arc. That's pretty good, too. Uh, this team was pretty even. They just had scoring attacking from everywhere else. Yeah, guys, like Charlie Moore, stepping out with 15 points. He wasn't supposed to do that. He had 36 points and made them all count. You got Jordan Miller going for 12. Again, these are guys who, on this Miami Hurricanes team, who, again, were not supposed to do good this season. I don't think we have them ranked very highly at all, but Jimmy Larania always finds a way to get it done in the tournament. They're now dancing in the Sweet 16. And moving on to Sovereign team. You're going to have a top two, probably number one overall pick in Jabari Smith. He's a good player. He really is. I'm, I'm, I'm about to absolutely take a dump all over him, but, I mean, he for the most part in the season, he had a good season. But when you're this team's supposed to start player and you go 3 of 16 from the field, you deserve to lose and deserve to lose pretty badly. He had 10 points, and, yeah, he did have 15 rebounds. But when you're shooting that poorly – it doesn't matter how good of a player you are. Again, this guy on a regular night probably gives this team 30, but when you shoot like that, it makes life pretty tough. And Katie Johnson, one of my favorite players, he went 4 of 10 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. He hustled his butt off the entire game, but again, when you shoot like that, it really hurts you. Finally, Walker Kessler, like, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? Two points, 06 from the field. Two blocks is your most is your most important stat line. Your seven one had two rebounds. I don't know what happened to that guy, but God help him. I mean, former five star does nothing in this game. Big three doesn't play well, results in a loss. Not really much of a surprise there. Uh, so that's gonna cover the round of thirty two. Again, sorry we couldn't cover all of it, but we don't want to make this episode too long for you guys. Uh, but I think we should preview Sweet 16 next. Does that sound good to you, Ethan? Definitely. I mean, Thursday, let's just go. I don't want to say speed run, but pretty much at Arkansas-Gonzaga. Who you got and give a reason why? Um, I would say due to the pure size, I got to go with the Zags here. Uh, this is a Gonzaga team that showed their length. They got put against a really poor matchup for them, at least, in uh, in Memphis, and so proved that Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy could hang, particularly Drew Timmy. Uh, and, again, everyone likes to underrate Gonzaga going into the tournament. Their comp's bad. They've slowed down. They haven't faced competition in months. But I think this team's going to be able to get it done. I don't know if there's a single player on Arkansas that can hold Drew Timmy either. And if they hold him, they're not going to be able to hold Chet. So give me the Zags here. You gave the exact same reasoning I was going to go to and then moving into Michigan Villanova. Again, huge props to the coach that I've been against this year, Juwan Howard, and also sincere props to him. After they beat Tennessee, he comforted Kennedy Chandler, something that Juwan Howard's always been a class act on and off the court, aside from one instance. instance. Besides, Besides one very comedically relating instance that Ethan, I think, forgot about there for just a second. Uh, well, I, no, I know about it, but like, serious props to Juwan Howard. He's led this Michigan team as a 11 seed all the way here. So, but then he gets to oh, go. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, just real quickly, real quick hypothetical. I'm so sorry, Ethan. Jabari Smith said he actually is unsure if he doesn't if he wants to declare for the draft or not. If he doesn't declare for the draft, that would be one of the most monumental things in college basketball because to suppose a number one overall pick coming back to college basketball, that would be insane. I just had to break that breaking news real quickly. Please continue with the next game. Well, of course. Uh, Villanova, I feel like I'll just take Villanova just because although Eli Brooks in Michigan, the senior leadership, just having Colin Gillespie on a team brings so much like posture to a team's dynamic, and I feel like just having Gillespie there that should be a win over Michigan right there. Yeah, I don't know if I want to agree with you on that one. I think every single one of these tournaments has a Cinderella, but I think just out of pure just belief in this Villanova program, I mean, they seem to get it done every single year with their veteran leadership. I think I got to go Villanova here, but I think it's going to be a really close one. Again, this is a, uh, I, I think this is a rematch of the uh, national championship two years ago when uh, I was at Loyola Final Four, so Loyola Final Four year. Um, I don't think Michigan's going to get their revenge here, personally. Uh, I don't even know if Juan Howard was on the coaching staff when that happened. I think it was Sean Bayline's team. But I got to go Villanova by hair here. It's my, it's my call. I don't think that was the national championship, but... I think, really well. I think Michigan beat Loyola, and then they played Michigan, and they played uh, Villanova in the national championship. Unless that was wrong, but I think... I think, was- I think you're wrong, but it's late. We're tired. Let's move into Texas Tech-Duke. One team... Has Paul Bancaro. Problem is AJ Griffin got a bit banged up in the game, and it's not. I'm not sure if he'll play. I feel like just because that question mark, I'll take Texas Tech right here. 
they've been so dominant and really I like the Raiders a lot I feel like they have a lot of potential to go far um in this game I was really high on Texas Tech going this tournament in fact I have in my final four most of my brackets uh but just based off pure momentum and for no reason at all, I'm going to go Duke here because I feel like Coach K's final season, I know a lot of people in the country don't want him to win, but I feel like it's more than usual to want him to win. I think that Duke's momentum is going to propel them, not to mention that Tech struggled uh, in their most recent game against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame showed that ACC ball really really shows true, and it really shows them in March. I got Duke here, again, my hair, again, I would not be complaining if Texas Tech won this game. I think they're a really, really good team. Uh, but this is going to be a really fun battle to watch. I got Duke here. By the way, 2018 National Championship game, Michigan versus Villanova. Villanova wins. And the game before that, Michigan beat Lola Chicago. Moving on to our next game. Ethan, what is it? Houston, Arizona. Well, Houston's been dominant. I'm sorry. I think Arizona proved their tenacity and their strength down the stretch tonight. I feel like this is an easy, Houston, an easy Arizona pick for me. I feel like every single March Madness has to have their upset Cinderella team. And I feel like everyone in their mom thought Houston was going to get out at least in the first two rounds. Give me the Cougars. Uh, All right. No, we're just moving right on after that. St. Peter's. Come on. Per- come on. No, we're not. No, I'm. I, you want to move from that Cinderella? Well, let's move to an actual Cinderella in St. Peter's Purdue. Purdue wins. In a heartbeat. No one that team can hold Zach Eady. Uh, this team is very tough. I'll give them that. St. Peter's might be the most just pure grit team in this whole tournament. There's no one physically that can hold Zach Eady. And then when they get tired, there's no one that can hold Trayvon Williams. He hasn't been that good this year, but when he plays like he did against Texas, there's not a lot of teams that can beat Purdue. Give me, give me Purdue here. I'll take Providence over Kansas, too, because I, I agree with you with Purdue, but... We've said the entire year, Providence's guards on defense have been incredible. And if Ochai Gbaji just stopped, Kansas's momentum gets stalled for a very long portion of the game. So, yeah, that happened this, that happened this most recent game. Ochai Gbaji didn't play well. Jalen Wilson had to pick up the slack. But when you got guys on the, on the perimeter like Al Durham, this, this, uh, this Providence seems really hard to beat. I got Providence here too. I got Providence moving on. I got Providence going deep in this tournament. All right, next up, a matchup between two Blue Bloods, the Tar Heels of UNC and the Bruins of UCLA. UNC by light years. This UNC team has really been playing well towards the end of the season. It started when they beat Duke and Cameron, and their momentum's been going the whole rest of the way. I get it, they lost to a great Virginia Tech team, but that was kind of on their little run. I think this team's going to beat UCLA pretty badly. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think Johnny Juzang and Jaime... I, I don't, we don't even know if Jaime Haas is playing because he seemed really banged up at that St. Mary's game. So if Jaime Haas is injured, give me UNC 100%. If he's playing, we'll see. He's a really tough kid. He knows how to get buckets. But R.J. Davis, Armando Baycock, Caleb Love, and the boys, not to mention Hubert Davis, great coach, underrated coach. I didn't even get the victory here. See, I'm going UCLA. I think that there's no way Jaime Haas does not play. I think he will tell the athletic staff, I will play this game or you will be fired. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> or worse. Who knows, who knows what they have at UCLA? But I think UCLA, all runs must end eventually. 
So I'll, I think North, this is North Carolina's time. Is there any more? Is that it? We're moving into a guaranteed game. And I call guaranteed in the sense that we're guaranteed a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight. Number 11, Iowa State versus number 10, Miami. Wow. Wow. That is a tough call. You got Isaiah Brockington, Tyrese Hunter versus Isaiah Wong. And the rest of that really tough Jimmy Larania-led team. I got to go with my Big 12 bias here. And the only reason why I'm picking Iowa State is because the Big 12 has been so phenomenal this tournament. I get it, Texas and TCU lost and within the realm of two hours, but they lost to two really elite teams. Two very elite teams, actually. But I got Iowa State continued Big 12's momentum. I feel like every year recently it's been a particular conference just dominates. And I feel like this year it's the Big 12. I feel like Iowa State's going to be one of the elite eight. I agree with that reasoning. I think Iowa State's going to dominate this game. All right. Well, I think that's it, John. Thank you that's so much. That's it. This, this was a great past four days of college basketball. This has been a phenomenal past four days of basketball. I really think today was one of the best days we've had in years. This was just such a fun day of college basketball to watch. Every single game had entertainment. Regardless, was it blowout or not, some of these games were just so fun to watch. Thank you guys for listening to our show. Uh, we will definitely be updating you guys on Twitter. Eden's going to be in Mexico, so we hope he has fun there. As for uh, all the socials, I'll be running them for the next week or so. Ethan has a flight in, what, four hours, three hours? I'm leaving my house in three hours. I need sleep. Let's wrap this up. Sounds good. Uh, make sure to check out our socials. Again, our Twitter is at ATR Madness. Our Instagram is at underscore creating madness and our YouTube just type in creating madness and uh, look for our logo. Thank you guys for watching. Again, we'll keep you posted on socials. Ethan, get some sleep out of Mexico and we'll catch you guys next week.